You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hey, Bills fans, welcome to this bi week episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and we have a great show for you guys. We are talking Bills with Ryan Talbot of NewYorkUpstate.com. Ryan was kind enough to answer some questions we have as far as where the Bills stand in the AFC currently, what the Bills need to do to become a top-tier team, his thoughts on the offensive line's performance thus far, on Josh Allen, the Zay Jones trade, and the Bills as a postseason contender, and a ton more. After that, we will discuss the biggest surprises and disappointments of the Bills team at this point in the 2019 season with a lot of help from uh, some Twitter followers. So let's get on with it. Without further ado, Ryan Talbot from nyup.com. He has been following the Bills as a writer since 2013 for scoutbillsmafia.com and gives you all of the latest Buffalo Bills news and info for newyorkupstate.com. I'm joined by Ryan Talbot. Ryan, it's great to have you on the podcast again. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate this. So the Bills are 4-1 and one during this bye week and ranked second in AFC standings. Do you think they're truly the second best team in the AFC, or is it a product of who they've played? Uh, you know, somewhere in between. I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a product of who they played, but I also don't think that uh, they're the second best team in the AFC right now. I, I know Kansas City has dropped uh, back-to-back home games, uh, but I still think that they're too much of an offensive powerhouse to be taken lately. Uh, you look at a team like Houston, uh, Houston, you know, has had a few ups and downs early this year, but I'm a big believer in Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins will get back on track. Uh, there are some questions there about the run game, but I, I think that's another really strong team. But, but I would say they're, they're in that three to five range. In, in my opinion, I think you could make a case for them. The defense is absolutely legitimate. The offense has come up with points late in games when it's been needed. Uh, but you, you need to see a little bit more from that side of the ball here going forward. So what is the biggest hurdle the Bills face in becoming a top-tier team? Is it more offensive production? Is it limiting turnovers by Allen? Or is it something else? I, I think it's getting more consistency out of the offense, getting more points on the board. You, you know, they're they're picking up a, actually a decent amount of yards per game. They're They're moving the ball at times. Uh, but then, like you said, there's, there's been some Josh Allen turnovers. There's been some uh, penalties that have taken them out of range in terms of field goal range in games. So they just need to kind of correct those mistakes, 
you're not going to necessarily get those interceptions out of Josh Allen's system. He's still going to throw one or two, uh, in, I don't want to say per game, but he'll still throw, you know, if you, one or two dangerous passes at least per game just because he is that gunslinger type. But you need to just see that more consistency from the offense as a whole, and that would lead to more points. You know, if you can get them to about 20 points per game with this defense, that alone could really uh, help them in terms of getting uh, a playoff spot here, kind of not having to wait until the last week of the regular season maybe. Maybe they kind of clinch one of those wild card spots sooner than some people would have thought. So you just need the offense to pick up the pace a little bit. So what about the offensive line so far this season? They made a lot of different free agent acquisitions. A lot of you know draft picks have been spent on the offensive line. Has it met your expectations for where you think that they are right now as far as pass protection and run blocking? Uh, yes and no. I, I think that they've actually been really good in terms of run blocking. I've been really impressed there. Uh, you, you saw how well Frank Gore has run the ball these last few weeks without Devin Singletary. Uh, for a guy that's 36 years old, still churning the, you know, churning the legs, moving those, moving the chains with the Bills. Devin Singletary, another guy that when he has been on the field, 12.7 yards per carry. So the offensive line is doing the job. Even TJ Yeldon picked up the pace a little bit here in that game against the Titans with a big first down run late in the game. So the the run blocking has been great in front of those guys. The pass protection, you know, it's been a little inconsistent. Some of that falls on Josh Allen though, holding the ball too long. Uh, in the NFL, you can't hold the ball five, six seconds. I don't care how good your line is. Someone's going to get through. Someone's going to create that pressure. So it, it doesn't all fall on the offensive line, but there's also been some issues there. Uh, right tackle has been a little bit of a disappointment. Cody Ford has really struggled in that position. Ty Seki was inactive last week. So uh, when Ford went down, you had to bring in undrafted free agent Ryan Bates, a guy that they traded for this summer. And, you know, he struggled at times, but overall, when, when the Bills needed to move the chains late, he did his job. It wasn't ideal, but he, he did his job. John Feliciano has been, uh, I called him the MVP of the offensive line last night at a potathon with Matt. Uh, he's been outstanding at right guard. Uh, he could make it difficult for Cody Ford to even play that right guard position uh, when the time comes because he's been so solid there. And when Mitch Morse went down with that ankle injury against the Titans, he slid right over to center uh, and didn't miss a beat. So he's been great. Morse, when he's been on the field, has been solid, especially in run blocking. There's been a few times where he's, you know, missed his, his assignment. Uh, but overall, uh, a big improvement from what we saw last year. And then I feel like uh, Quentin Spain's been a little bit up and down. But that was also the case when he was with uh, Tennessee. And I think Deion Dawkins has done, you know, he, he's definitely rebounded from his sophomore season. He may not never be an all pro left tackle, but you can win with a guy like that. Do you think now Cody Ford has been shown time and time again at the right tackle spot to be beaten by speed? Should the Bills kind of shelf this experiment of having Cody Ford at right tackle for now, at least for a minute just because he's a rookie and let Ty Nisecki, when he's active, play that role? Or do you think they should be kind of splitting reps like they have been so far this season? You know, I would at least like to see Nisecki get the majority of reps. I don't blame them for trying to get forward valuable reps on the offensive line, uh, whether it is at tackle or guard. You know, you do. this is a guy that you drafted in the second round that you traded up for to draft. So you, you do want to get him out there. You do want to get him those reps so he can improve, whether it's at guard, tackle, or even both positions. But 
if Nseki is doing a good job, you don't want to take him out of the game, get him out of his rhythm. Same thing with Feliciano. So it, it's a tough uh, scenario for the Bills that they have to kind of juggle and figure out. And, and it's not a bad problem to have uh, good talent and depth along the offensive line, especially if you, you know, you watch a lot of these other teams around the league where there's been a lot of offensive line issues this year. So the Bills recently traded wide receiver Zay Jones to the Oakland Raiders for a fifth-round pick in the 2021 draft. In your opinion, did that trade need to happen? Uh, I, in a way, I think it did. Uh, I don't think that the Bills would necessarily have seven wide receivers active on game day. And I think when we get back from the bye here, I think you're going to see Robert Foster will be uh, ready to play, ready to contribute. So then you're going to have John Brown, Cole Beasley, Robert Foster. You're going to have uh, Isaiah McKenzie. You're going to have Duke Williams. And then you're going to have Andre Roberts. Now, Roberts what was very uh, – he was solid during the summer at the wide receiver position. But I think you can actually have him focus more on that the punt return, kick return in this scenario. You can get Foster out there to uh, really stretch the field the opposite of John Brown. Now you have two guys that can stretch the field. You know, Zay Jones did create some separation this year on certain plays, and Ian Allen just couldn't figure it out. The chemistry, you know, the ball placement. We know for a fact that Allen had chemistry with Foster last year uh, in, the, in that second half of the season when Foster came back up to the active roster. So it'll be intriguing to see if they can get that going again. I, I just think that it, it was good for Zay Jones in terms of a change of scenery. I think it was good for Buffalo because uh, you, you have enough talent there right now. And it just wasn't working out with Zay. So with that, do you think, I guess I'm just curious, in your opinion, was that due to the coaching staff not putting him in the right position to succeed or him not having the right skill set or even possibly the right chemistry with Josh Allen? Well, I, you know, when he was originally drafted, I think they drafted him for what Rick Dennison's offense was going to be, uh, getting the ball out quickly to the wide receivers, uh, he was a guy that was uh, hyped in terms of having really good hands coming out of ECU. And I think some Bills fans also forget that his coach from ECU, is his wide receivers coach, was actually Buffalo's wide receivers coach that year that they drafted him. So there are a lot of ties there. There are a lot of reasons that you would have thought this is a guy that could have instant success in Buffalo. But then Dennison was out. Uh, you bring in Brian Dable. Dable does not run the same type of offense that Dennison does. Uh, so all of a sudden you have a wide receiver that maybe doesn't fit your scheme uh, as well as you would have liked. So, you know, there's a variety of reasons, and that's why it's risky to sometimes uh, draft a wide receiver based on your offensive coordinator, not just based on their overall skill set. Because you look at some of those other wide receivers that were still available, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Godwin, I was a huge fan of Godwin coming out of Penn State. Uh, he was a guy that I would have loved to see the Bills target. He, he's on his way to superstardom, in my opinion. But there, there were ties there to Zay Jones. I understood why they drafted him when they did for the system that they did. But, you know, in the NFL, that changes very quickly on a year-to-year basis. So is this a trend within the Bills organization in keeping players on the roster longer than they should? For example, some might say this was an issue with the Nathan Peterman experiment as well. Are they hanging on to guys too long, or are they now getting rid of guys at the right time? I would at least go with Zay at the right time. You know, from year one to year two, he, he did show vast improvement in terms of receptions, yards, and touchdowns. 
Uh, he did finish last season as Buffalo's leading receiver. Uh, so there, there were at least reasons to keep him on board going into this year. But I think they realized at this point it, it just wasn't working. The chemistry, uh, the the skill set for this offense. So I think this was more of a situation where, where they parted ways with him at the right time. So the Bills, on the wide receiver side of the ball, the Bills have been discussed as potential trade targets for top wide receivers like Stephon Diggs, A.J. Green, Mike Evans, and more. Do you think Bean would ever pull the trigger on a, tri- on a trade like that, knowing it cost a decent amount in draft picks and cap space? Uh, I think if it was the right wide receiver, he absolutely would. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll look at the top two guys that have been rumored to be available. Now, mind you, uh, the Bengals head coach came right out and said A.J. Green is not going to be traded. Now, maybe that was to boost the stock. Maybe he really meant that. But A.J. Green is not a guy that I'd give up a high draft pick for. Uh, he's a guy that I'd maybe give up two mid-round picks, a third-round pick in 2020, fifth-round pick 2021, something like that. Because you're talking about a 31-year-old wide receiver, final year of his contract, uh, dealt with an ankle injury that has kept him off the field all year thus far. He's getting very close to a comeback, mind you. But he's only finished or played in a 16 game, all 16 games in the season, I believe, twice in the last six years. So there's there's a lot of questions about him in terms of would you really get a major impact out of him, even if it was just a half-year loan. Uh, a guy like Stefan Diggs, he is a guy that I would not mind. I wouldn't even bat an eye if Brendan Bean traded a first-round pick for him. Here's a guy that's 25 years old, has shown that he can be a superstar wide receiver, uh, and he's under contract until 2023. Now, that being said, he had a monster game this Sunday. Uh, the Vikings are still in it, obviously, from like a, a contention standpoint. So I, I think it's going to be one of those things where I don't necessarily think he's going to be available, but Never say never. If the Vikings maybe uh, drop their next two games, maybe he's available at the deadline on the 29th. So you, you just never know. But a, a guy like Diggs, absolutely, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger to give up that uh, to give up a high draft pick, just because one, the Bills have the cap space first of all to to take on that deal. It's not a bad deal either, mind you. I believe it's in that 11 to 12 million dollar per year range through 2023, which I I think as the years go on, that would look like a bigger and bigger uh, deal the way contracts go on a year-to-year basis. So if the Bills season ended today, what position on offense or defense would you say is the biggest need for the Bills at this point? You know, that's that's a tough one because I could say number one wide receiver because, you know, I really like John Brown. He's on pace to go over a thousand yards, but he's not that guy necessarily that uh, you can count on in the same sense as a guy like a Julio Jones as a DeAndre Hopkins over the years, and nor should he be thought of that way. Um, and, you know, this wide receiver class coming in is supposed to be a pretty good one in 2020. So maybe based on need, based on talent available, that's where I would go. Uh, I always look at the defensive end position. I think that Jerry Hughes gets consistent pressure. I think that Trent Murphy has made a few plays this year. I think Shaq Lawson has had a really nice season today, even though it doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet always. Uh, he, he's been an impact guy. He's a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing the Bills resign, resign to like a modest uh, deal to kind of keep him in that rotation. But, you know, if you can actually get a defensive end that can be a game wrecker, a guy like Miles Garrett, uh, that you, you see in Cleveland getting after the quarterback. I believe he's at eight sacks this year. Um, 
all you know just to date so he's he's on his way to another you know a double digit sack season that could really make the defense that much better and it sounds crazy saying that because the defense has been outstanding they're getting off the field on third downs but if you can get that consistent pressure you're going to get more sacks you're going to put the offenses in harder down and distance situations but then you can also create those fumble situations when you get after the quarterback a lot uh, hit him from behind, you know, jar, knock the ball out of his hand, which is something that we don't see enough with this Bills defense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you wrote an article recently at nyup.com about Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier being mentioned as a possible head coaching candidate this offseason. If the Bills lose him, does the production of this unit dip next year, or do you think the talent and McDermott's experience will be enough to overcome any loss on the staff? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because I think that Sean McDermott's, you know, his fingerprints are all over that defensive scheme. I think that he is very involved with game planning with Leslie Frazier, but I also don't want to downplay his importance. Do do I think that a guy like Bob uh, Babbitt could come in, <coughs> excuse me, um, and, you know, be promoted maybe to that role? Absolutely. And then, or maybe Sean McDermott just takes over the play calling altogether. That could work too. There's just so much talent there and they know, they know McDermott's system so well. I do think that someone could come in or be promoted from within the staff and they wouldn't necessarily miss a beat, but Frazier still does have some kind of impact uh, on this roster on a game to game basis. So I don't want to downplay that either. Gotcha. Now, You've been a fan of this team for a long time, and you've been covering the Bills for several years now as a writer. Does this team have something special or different to them? And are Bills fans justified in being so optimistic with the direction of this team? I don't. I think they are justified being optimistic about this team because this defense will keep them in just about every game this season. I mean, you you saw the game against New England. I, they're not going to have many tougher tests than, than a team like New England. And they were in that game to the very end, even when Matt Barkley had to come in for Josh Allen. So this is a team that can keep you in games. Uh, the defense keep you in games week in, week out. Now, obviously, this is not like the, the, the type of team that I grew up watching with, with the K-Gun offense. It, the offense was outstanding. The defense had some superstars on it. Uh, but the offense obviously kind of more, you know, I, I shouldn't say more times than that, but the offense could hold their own and could put up points against anybody on a week to week basis where that's not the case with this unit with Josh Allen, but have him make those gains here after the bye week, get to that range where you can score about 20 points per game. And you're looking at a Bills team that should or could at least uh, win double digit games. So after seeing big Ben go down, Andrew Luck retire, the Bills almost beat the Patriots, the Chiefs losing their second game of the season today. Can the Bills go toe-to-toe with any team in the AFC if they make it to the postseason? I I think they can. I really do. I mean, uh, you saw what the Colts did to the Chiefs last week. Uh, That Colts defense really, you know, put some pressure on Mahomes. Now Mahomes is dealing with an ankle injury, and I think that limited him a little bit today, too, uh, against Houston. But I think Buffalo's defense can keep Kansas City's offense from uh, going overboard, from going crazy, so to speak. So they can at least keep you in the game now. Kansas City's defense is not very good. So I think that's a potential matchup where Josh Allen could do 
pretty well where the Bills could run the ball effectively. And that was the Colts blueprint too, running the ball a lot and having a lot of success there. Uh, you already saw they could contend with the Patriots. You know, it would be interesting to see how they'd match up with Houston. Uh, they beat a Titans team that, you know, they, they benched Mariota today. But that's another good defensive team that uh, had, that there is in the AFC. I'll be interested to see how they go against Denver. Denver picked up another win today. They have a solid defense. The offense is kind of in the same boat as Buffalo's. But it's going to be interesting. I do think, though, that for the most part, they can contend with just about any team in this AFC. Well, that's great. Now, Ryan, where can people find all of your work and Matt Perino's work? Yeah, you can find Matt and I on uh, New York Upstate, nyup.com. Uh, we, we're also on Syracuse.com, but we usually use NYUP as our main platform. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Ryan Talbot Bills. Matt Perino is at Matt Perino on Twitter. So, you know, we, we have uh, almost daily content, you know, multiple pieces of content per day most days. Uh, Matt's huge into the video, into the social media, into getting the opinion of the Bills fans, one of the best in the business at it. So uh, he's, he's a must follow as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that to all Bills fans, Ryan and Matt are better, are great follows. I've been following you guys even before we started this podcast, and it's just been you guys are just always consistently bringing the best Bills content um, to your site. So really appreciate you coming on to talk Bills with us, and uh, thank you very much. Hey, thanks again. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. After that, we're going to discuss the biggest surprises and disappointments thus far in the Bills 2019 season. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Circling the Wagons podcast. I'm your host, Nate, and really want to thank Ryan Talbot of NewYorkUpstate.com for coming on and, and talking Bills with us, as he always does. Ryan's a, a great wealth of knowledge on the Bills. He covers them. He's been doing it for a long time. And uh, if you're not following him, please do. The guy's a great follow at Ryan Talbot Bills. And if you're not following him on Facebook and Twitter, everything like that, he's just a great follow and why up. So I posted this question on Twitter, and if you're not following us on Twitter, please do. We are at CTWPod, which is like circling the wagons pod. And I posted this question, what or who is the biggest surprise for the Bills so far this season? And what or who is the biggest disappointment thus far into the 2019 season? So I got a lot of great comments. I'm going to read some aloud, but wanted to give my thoughts real quick as far as the biggest surprises and disappointments. So far, and I think the biggest surprise for me, it doesn't have to do directly with the Bills. It has to do with just how the AFC in general, in my opinion, with how things have played out so far, is that it's completely winnable and that no team right now seems unbeatable against the Bills. Now, there's teams that they could obviously lose against, but there's no juggernaut that the Bills can't get through. I mean, the Bills were within a blocked punt from beating the Patriots and being 5-0. and So when you look at that, and the Patriots have the best record in the AFC right now, I think that the Bills can hang or play with and compete with just about any team in the AFC. And that also goes for the NFC. I don't see any team in the NFC that looks completely unbeatable as far as what they provide on the field. Now, my biggest disappointment in the Bills so far is that they're 28th in the league in turnovers. So that's a huge disappointment. This isn't a team that I really thought, especially the way that Sean McDermott coaches as far as ball security and taking care of the ball. And I know a lot of that has to do with Josh Allen throwing interceptions. I'm very surprised and disappointed that the Bills are 28th in turnovers. But 
a huge surprise in a positive way is that the Bills are still winning the games in which they've turned the ball over, uh, with the exception of the New England Patriots game, of course. Um, I mean, you could also put on, not for nothing, the, the ability for the Bills to win those games as a surprise that past teams wouldn't have done. We've talked about that all season on the podcast in all of our recap edition shows where the Bills come back in the fourth quarter and win the game is that this team is built for this and this team consistently shuts down teams in the fourth quarter and comes from behind and ends up winning games. Winning games that teams in previous franchises and previous regimes, I should say, wouldn't have done. So let's go to Twitter. Let's see what some surprises and disappointments are from you. Jason Statham is in, and he writes, Surprise? How how consistent we are. I know the defense was good, but damn. <laughs> Disappointment? Probably our offense not putting more points on the board. We lacked receivers last year, but now we have some decent ones. We still can't get them the ball enough. And that's a great point. You know, Nick and Nolan really hit on this point as far as the Bills yardage goes, and the Bills are ranked... 12th in the league for offensive yardage they just within turning the ball over and with not finishing drives stupid penalties knocking them out of field goal position I would have thought that we would be scoring a little bit more but like they mentioned you know regression to the mean our time is coming that that will eventually happen Mike Taylor comes in this week he says I'd probably put Dawson Knox at the top of my surprise list I know he was a third-round pick, but he's made great progress. That being said, my biggest disappointment is Tyler Croft. Then again, better to have and not need than to need and not have. Great point. Great point by Mike. Uh, Tyler Croft has been a colossal disappointment thus far. And what's really unfortunate is that he came in as a quote-unquote injury-prone player, and he's been he's done nothing but completely prove that status and title that he has been given because he was— Injured within the first few plays of OTAs, and then he missed all of training camp and came back a couple of weeks into the season for his first practice and was injured on that first first practice. So Tyler Croft, great point by Mike, a colossal disappointment. The Trust the Process Bills podcast is on. They write, biggest surprise is Dawson Knox, again, just like Mike had mentioned. And the biggest disappointment is the offensive line inconsistency. And we talked about that a little bit with Ryan Talbot. Ryan believes it's more of a of a of an issue on passing downs than running downs. But again, you know, you can't have Josh Allen sit back there for six or seven seconds and expect an offensive line to hold him. But with that being said, there are a lot of times where rushers get through completely unblocked, and I don't think that's on Josh Allen. X Rob S writes, biggest surprise? Beating teams we're supposed to beat. Biggest appointment? The blocked punt. That gave New England what turned out to be the game-winning score. That was that was the biggest disappointment of the season for sure. As far as if you were to boil it down to one play, that was a great that was a biggest disappointment. And I also like Rob's uh, biggest surprise: beating teams we're supposed to beat. I mentioned that a little bit earlier, but again, not something we're used to. But this is a different team, and this is a different franchise, and it feels it just feels different. It's a whole different face face of the franchise, I should say. Let's go. Buffalo is in. Surprise. The red zone offense scoring percentage. The disappointment. Lack of points per game. Buffalo is third in the league this season with a 71.4% red zone scoring percentage. So that's a great point by Let's Go Buffalo. 
And his second point about lack of points per game, we just mentioned that earlier. They just really haven't been able to get the points. They are ranked 26th in points per game, if you want to know that. Cody Miller is in. Cody writes, Josh Allen's completion percentage is his surprise. Josh Allen's lack of production and points is his disappointment. I thought if the first improved, the second would skyrocket. So that's a that's a great point. Josh Allen's completion percentage on the on the season is 63%, which is a vast improvement from his 53% completion percentage last season. Now, mind you, that's only in a five-game sample size, but it's it's trending upward. And last game was one of his best games. And if he continues not throwing the obvious interceptions, then I think that that will it's going to happen. It's going to regress to the mean, like I mentioned earlier. This is a good one from John McGuire. Biggest surprise, Josh Allen's accuracy on short and intermediate throws, which is a great point. This was something they struggled with last season. He's improved on. Biggest disappointment is Josh Allen's deep ball. And I love this point by John because Josh Allen is obviously known for having a big arm. He's having He has a cannon for an arm. But he has not hit the deep ball once, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not talking about 20, 30 yards downfield hitting a crossing route. I'm talking about hitting Robert Foster on a fly route for a touchdown like he did last season. He just hasn't had a chance to do it. I think defenses are purposefully trying to take that away from him. But imagine any of these games that we're talking about where the Bills are only winning by roughly six to seven points on average per game. And they hit one of these, hit one of those plays a game, and now all of a sudden you're talking you know, they're winning by 13 to 14 points per game. So I love that point by John. I will say, and and I love that this kind of makes me think of one of the biggest surprises in general. I wouldn't say this was a, a huge surprise, but it's a pleasant surprise is that Josh Allen is improving on these things. Now, John mentioned the improvement on the accuracy on short and intermediate throws, but just the ability to improve in general. We saw that with the Tennessee Titans game. He was minimizing turnovers and sliding more and throwing the ball out more. Within one game, he learned a few lessons. Now, whether he consistently proves to do that week in and week out, that's something else. But he has shown the ability to learn from his mistakes. And how many other quarterbacks have we seen come through that have not been able to do that? Yaya, the 7OD, writes, Biggest surprise is definitely, definitely Levi Wallace. He has been a stud. And I'm happy with Josh Allen but his in his improvements, but his turnovers are my biggest disappointment. And that is a common theme, so appreciate Yaya's input in that. And as far as the pro football focus rankings go and player grades go, now, you know, there, there are two schools of thoughts on pro football focus player grades. And to me, they're great because I don't watch a lot of film. I don't see a lot of the all 22 stuff that a lot of places a lot of other sites do so for me being able to have that sort of grade that measurement that marker that pro football focus provides is great and i don't agree with everything they say but just for example levi wallace right now is the highest rated cornerback on the buffalo bills he has the highest coverage rating at a 70.9 and it's a very close race between Sierra Neal, Tredavious White, and Kevin Johnson with the next coverage grade, right? The only thing I I question about Pro Football Focus's grades, if I'm really thinking about it, is the competition and is it graded on a curve because the Bills could be playing amazing teams. Like Tredavious White, for example, he doesn't have the best coverage grade of all the Bills' cornerbacks, but maybe he's also playing against 
the best wide receivers. So I feel like there should be some sort of weight measurement. Obviously, when you get closer to 13, 14, 15 games, a lot of these cornerbacks and players in general have seen a lot more of a diverse competition. So that's that's probably a much more accurate measurement at that point. But at this point, with only five games in, I don't know if you can really say Levi Wallace is the best cover corner on the team, but so far he has the best coverage grade. So uh, great point by Yaya, the 7-0-D. California Buffalo is in. One surprise was Allen's completion percentage. I think some of us were hoping he'd improve to get to the high 50s, low 60s at best, but I didn't expect him to hit near the mid-60s most games and to have a 70% game. Great point. Chris is in. Surprise. John Brown is better than advertised. Disappointment. The overall offensive production. I'm sure Chris means just points on the board as opposed to actual yardage with the Bills are actually slightly above average. Tim writes in, surprise, Jordan Phillips. The disappointment was traded to the Raiders. (laughs) I won't tweet his name because it's my son's birthday and I don't want to spend all day messing with his parents. (laughs) Uh, Great point by Tim. In saying that, I... I'm not. I was never a big Zay Jones fan. If you've ever heard our podcast, a recap podcast, especially after the New England Patriots game, we were very hard on Zay Jones. And you know that's the problem with doing one of the problems, I guess, of doing a recap podcast is that you still have a lot of the emotion coming from the game. You don't have a few days to step back and really look at it. And in retrospect, I know a lot of that was on Josh Allen, and we don't want to blame Josh Allen because. We love him, and we really hope he is a franchise quarterback. But a lot of that was on him. But still, if you have a wide receiver and he doesn't have the chemistry with his quarterback that he should have, and then you replace him with Duke Williams, who has immediate chemistry with Josh Allen, then I think some of that falls on Zay Jones. So maybe, I don't know, I wish nothing. I wish Zay nothing but the best. I hope he does well with the Raiders, and I hope he finds chemistry with Derek Carr and that system, and maybe it plays more to his strengths. Like Ryan Talbot said, when the Bills originally drafted him, it was Rick Denson was running more of a West Coast system, which is perfect for Zay Jones's skills and characteristics as a wide receiver. David Chidillo comes in, the biggest surprise, the intra-season jump that Edmund seems to have made. And the biggest disappointment is paying Tyler Croft a large amount of money for no return. So great point by David on that one. And I love Tremaine Edmonds. He doesn't always show up on the stat sheet as having an unbelievable game, but just seeing him week in and week out, the, he is everything is advertised from when the Bills traded up to draft him two seasons ago. Francis Novoa writes in, my biggest surprise is that we aren't losing close games like in years past. We are overcoming our mistakes and taking advantage of the other team's mistakes. Great point. Daryl Hill- Hilliard is in. And writes, actually, uh, it's just the the confidence and swagger of the entire team that kind of surprises me the most. It's like we know and believe that we have more than a good chance to beat the good teams and that we are able to dominate, at least defensively, the teams that we're supposed to. And I think I'm going to end on that. I love Daryl's point about the confidence and swagger of this entire team. It's something that we haven't seen in a long time. And it resonates. It makes you and I more confident each week. Now we can't ever get away from thinking, well, you know, this is where the game (laughs) is going to end for the Bills and they're probably going to lose it. But more and more each week, I mean, they don't believe that. They weren't here for for those seasons. It's not like Josh Allen was following the Bills when they were going through that that rough stretch of, I don't know, the 18-year playoff drought. 
So I I love that point by Daryl. It's it's very true. He hits the nail on the head. And I think that's where we're going to leave the podcast off for this week. Thank you for everyone that tweeted in. If you are not following us, like I mentioned before, please do. We're at CTW Pod, like Circling the Wagons Pod. I'm going to give a quick shout out to our T Public store. And we have the we have this store on T Public where you can purchase t-shirts, hoodies. It is hoodie season, by the way, now that the fall's finally here. T-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, uh, canvas prints, flags, anything that you'd want. Uh, we have some really cool bills designs at our T Public store at tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. We have our very popular uh, Josh Allen hurdling the haters. When we also have a, a the second most popular piece is the Sean McDermott trust the po- process shirt where he's basically sprinkling the process over his uh, elbow, kind of like the Salt Bay meme. By the way, if you guys aren't following us on Twitter, please do because I I'm getting my uh, my meme game is is stepping up. I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie, it's not amazing. It's pretty good though. It's pretty good. You're gonna get a chuckle. You probably won't get a long laugh out of it, but uh, I'm. I'm getting into it, putting some more memes out also on our Facebook page. So if you're not following us on Facebook, please do. And uh, some of these are probably going to make their way onto a T-shirt now and again. Um, just a lot of cool. We have about 15 or 20 unique designs that you really can't find anywhere else. We're talking currently to a very prominent T-shirt producer in Buffalo on one of our designs. So uh, check these out while you can before these get made uh, large scale. So that site again. Oh, yeah. And there is going to be a 35% off sale this week on Wednesday, I believe. I believe it goes Wednesday to Saturday. So check it out, tpublic.com slash stores slash ctwpod. And also wanted to plug our Bruce Smith interview that we did a few weeks ago at Del Lago Casino and Resort and the DK Sportsbook there. We were able to, uh, we were asked by the DK Sportsbook people over at Del Lago to come over and check out the game there, check out their setup. And I was like, oh, while we're there, do you mind if we interview Bruce Smith? And they said, no, not at all. So really cool. We got about 10, 15 minutes in with him talking everything from his playing time as a Buffalo Bill, what he misses the most, uh, you know, just his playing style inside the Bills locker room during the 90s and the Super Bowl era. And man, I'm getting psyched just thinking about it. Um, it was really cool talking to him. And then he also gives some really great insight into the current Bills team, the current culture and locker room that Sean McDermott is creating there. So really cool stuff. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you again to Ryan Talbot of NewYorkUpstate.com. Follow him at Ryan Talbot Bills on Twitter. And like I said, they have a, a ton of cool stuff on Facebook. Also, obviously, check out BuffaloRumblings.com. A lot of great articles in the bye week and in this week leading up to the Miami Dolphins game. By the way, how nice is it that we're playing the Miami Dolphins off the bye, a team that you definitely didn't need two weeks to prepare for? And, uh, oh, I, uh, shoot. I hope I just didn't jinx it right then. God. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. So, anyway, um, appreciate all you guys listening. Thanks again to Ryan Talbot, NewYorkUpstate.com, and uh, thank you all for listening. So for me, Nate, go Bills. We're going to talk to you guys again after the Bills-Dolphins game for our recap podcast on Sunday evening. So look for it then, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons 
like the Buffalo Bills. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.